If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And g'day and welcome to the program. Okay, look how I'm dressed. For those of you listening, bad luck you missed out because you're not yet watching us. But I shall describe it. I'm wearing a shirt and a tie, a suit, in fact. And I had a wonderful, really festive Christmas shirt to wear today. And I thought, should I wear it? I was going to ring the bosses and ask if it would be okay. And I didn't. I forgot. So I'm wearing this. But I had a really terrific Christmassy shirt to get myself and you in the vibe. And I forgot to ask. And, and I should, maybe I should have just worn it. it. You couldn't but love this thing. It was terrific. Very much like Chris Smith, you couldn't but love his show. And he'll be back. I, oh, I don't know when he'll be back. I'm going to be back next Thursday. I know that. And I'm guessing Chris, being the hardworking individual that he is, he may well be. That could be the case. I don't know. So, But studio will tell me at some point during the program when Chris will be back, and I'll let you lot know. So, uh, But I'll be back next Thursday. Uh, a lot happening this hour, and I absolutely enjoy uh, each and every one of you coming onto the program every afternoon, having a listen or having a watch, as the case may be. It's Friday, TGIF Friday. We'll be talking to Omar Khan, global consultant to the stars, and he's got a lot to say on a range of issues that affect us here locally and around the globe. We're going to be talking to Paul McGowan a bit later this hour as well. And uh, the topic today will be Ireland leading into the renaming and cancelling Christmas markets. And, of course, the key part of Christmas is... Christ. They are literally trying to take the Christ out of Christmas, make us a godless society. And which countries? The countries that were founded upon Christian values. So there's a group out there who hate Christians, who were able to infiltrate us somehow over the last hundred or so years, and they absolutely hate us and everything that we represent uh, as a group. I don't know if it's racial, I don't know if it's uh, as a religion, but they certainly don't like us very much, working very hard to uh, stop us and to declare us as, you heard it during the news, domestic terrorists. Yes, if you had have good old-fashioned values, if you are a Christian, especially if you're a Catholic, they have a, an intense dislike for Catholics. I'm one of them. Maybe that's why many of the Catholics I went to school with share similar uh, common sense values to what I do. And whether you believe in a God or you don't, that's uh, completely up to you. One thing I, I did like about the Catholic school system is that we got a bit of discipline. But the weird thing is all these uh, views that we have, these conservative views, uh, they didn't teach us any of those. There was no side to pick back when I went to school in the 70s and 80s. But all of us, or most of us, seem to be of that opinion. So what was it about the Catholic upbringing that led a lot of us to have the same views today, that we can't be brainwashed, that we see through a lot of crap? I don't know, but uh, I'm sure we could get a psychologist on to explain that to us, what it was about that Catholic upbringing that makes almost all Catholics of yesteryear, certainly not today, because of the indoctrination in the Catholic schools, uh, people who are switched on, people who know what they're talking about, and of course, you, wherever you happen to be. If you're listening or watching TNT Radio, you can, of course, count yourself in the uh, ones who are switched on. So what was it that was different about your upbringing, assuming you're not Catholic or Christian, that led you to the same beliefs that we've all come down to? Were we just uh, less indoctrinated or was it something that they've subsequently put in the water and dumbed everybody else down? I really don't know. I don't believe that is the case. My son drinks the same water. 
eats the same food as uh, most of the young folks today, but would think very much like you and I do. So you could argue a good upbringing and uh, maybe a healthy distrust of, of leadership. And I think you should question everything. I always think you should question everything. But uh, one thing I do like to question, and South Australia should question everything when it comes to energy. They've had it already have had experienced what we shall, and I don't say might, I say shall, will, definitely experience by way of blackouts, uh, extended blackouts, not lasting for just hours or days, but weeks. And again, I would really love to chat to, if any of you listening are in South Australia or who know somebody in South Australia who was uh, someone that had to endure a few weeks without electricity, please contact me, dean at tntradio.live, Give me their number because I would love to get them on as a guest so they can tell people what they can expect if we don't be more vocal about this climate madness. And when I say vocal, I don't just mean contact your local uh, you know, MP. That won't do anything. They're puppets. They're bought and paid for. They serve their masters. They certainly don't serve you. I'm talking about educating your friends, the friends who are not yet awake, because without all of them on board, this is going to pass. And by the time we realise that the mistake it's going to be absolutely too late. And that's what they're doing in South Australia. They're pushing 425 million, almost half a billion, always talking in billions. So let's go $0.425 billion on a hydrogen plant. It's going to be based in Talem. They're, they're saying uh, that it's going to create 300 jobs. No, they're going to borrow money to pay for these 300 jobs and we'll be paying the interest on that. We won't pay any of the principal off, of course, because we're getting into more and more debt. Your grandkids will be paying the interest on that. And a $425 million project, uh, they're saying it could turn 200,000 tonnes of landfill into green hydrogen annually. So, okay to burn off landfill, apparently great for the environment. Yeah, right, landfill, rubbish, junk being burned into the environment versus coal, which I think is a lot better. I think it's a lot better value. It's uh, got a proven track record. I think we're doing okay. We've got some very nice, clean coal uh, power stations these days. And the Chinese and the Indians, they know that because they're building them in record numbers. But no, the uh, Adelaide University of Research says projects like this are essential for reducing carbon emissions. It takes more energy to create hydrogen than it's going to create. And uh, getting it from point to point storage, it is a dangerous thing to store. Wow, when that goes up, well, I think you've seen the videos going back historically. You know what happens when you uh, let hydrogen go bang? It uh, it certainly does. But uh, yeah, it's all a fallacy. It's all a pipe dream. It is the pot at the end of the rainbow. You'll never find it. It'll never work. But that's okay, because all it really is about is borrowing money, getting us into debt. And then when we can't pay that debt, those who we are indebted to shall come and take the lot. Our country won't be then. And some could argue isn't anymore. Now, do you have an upcoming event? Uh, that could be a community event, a rally, a march, a festival, or even a fundraiser uh, that you could do with some free, yes, free publicity. And TNT Radio wants to promote it for you. Uh, we are encouraging you to get, a, get onto the What's On event calendar. And that's on the TNT Radio website. And you can submit your event details. And then we will get the word out for you right here on TNT Radio. There's a lot going on, so it's important to stay informed and up to date. Get ready, because here we go. At the top, 30 minutes past and when it breaks. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. A wonderful Gemma Cooper will be joining us. In fact, she's already there. 
And Gemma, I'm I'm not hearing so much. I mean, admittedly, I'm reading Times 10, the Australian news articles, but I do like to get on to, to Sky News UK and other UK publications. But the one thing I don't hear much over there is talk of hydrogen. Are you hearing it locally? No, more in the UK, it's wind farms, solar. Solar is a big issue here in the UK as great swathes of the uh, British countryside are, 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 are ensconced in that black rectangular kind of monolithic something out of 2001 isn't it the old solar yeah. farms uh, that does create a lot of uh, debate and and wind you know they're always trying to put wind farms up but of course you know once uh, they don't work as efficiently and and then they have to come down they kill the birds that a lot of people are really against them because they do kill a lot of wildlife especially up in scotland um but those are the things that are really more the hot topics in the uk when it comes to you know so-called alternative energy and of course heat pumps they're a big issue um because they're very noisy uh, they go on the side of the house and that that's what the government wants to install uh, and replace all our wonderful gas boilers so we have our own energy <laughs> uh, controversy here and those are the main things that, that make the headlines with the heat pumps and no they're not pushing them here um i know there's a big push over there and apparently some penalties if you don't get them by a certain date was that pushed back um and are people fighting back are people just saying no we're not going to do it because obviously if enough people do it in in great numbers then they'll it'll just fail will it not well, of course, Rishi Sunak said he was going to push all the net zero um, targets back to 2050 which uh, and 2035 and all different things that had different dates. But we moved away from 2030 quite swiftly. And I think he was uh, certainly responding to the public mood ahead of what we now know will be a general election in the UK next year, whether or not that's enough to secure him any votes, because I think a lot of people think, oh, he's just saying that. And that just to keep, you know, governments say all sorts of things ahead of elections, don't they, to stay in power. And once he's in power, oh, sorry, you know, you, you do need your heat pumps tomorrow after all you know you do need to get your electric car by next week after all um so it's a difficult one but yeah i mean there's a huge groundswell of feeling here in the uk that people want to hold on to the what they've got in their homes you know and that there's been a lot of controversy about the noise of the heat pumps um and they break uh, noise laws and so if you live in a terrace a terraced street which a lot of streets in england are um still victorian terraces if every single house has a heat pump the noise is going to be like this vroom, 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 all day you know, and that's people that that can't happen. So already there, it's not working before it's even been installed because it's breaking the law. Um, so yeah, there is a pushback. Uh, the government's recognised that they're, they're making all sorts of the right noises. Whether they stick to it remains to be seen. Yeah, it sounds horrific. Also, you could argue it's part of the uh, pantomime that they put on uh, Sunak knowing full well, according to all the numbers that we're getting here, and obviously you're getting uh, much more imminently uh, quickly over there in the UK, that he's got a, you know, a snowball's chance in hell of getting re-elected. So he can say that, give the party some sort of conservative le legitimacy, if you will, knowing full well that when the Labor Party get in, they're just going to roll that back and say, oh, no, it's full steam ahead at bugger 2030. Let's do it next year. I'll just roll it as far forward as they can, because it is all about getting us into debt and uh, just undoing everything that we've created as far as a reliable grid that we have and currently enjoy. But no, this nonsense is going to push on. Yeah, it is. And more and more people are, are sticking to wood burners, actually, even though that's, you know, but, you know, you can only burn a certain type of wood and, and all of that. But people are really moving back to more traditional means. I think that's more of an indication that a lot of people really, if they have the skills and the courage, would like to go off grid. 
I really do think that that is the case with a lot of people here in the UK. It's very difficult in the UK. We don't have the land. The rules are really, really strict in England. Wales is about the, the easiest country, I think, if I'm not mistaken, to try and get a parcel of land and to live away from the system. Um, but yeah, the rise in wood burners, even James Freeman, we talked on the Freeman report here. He's just recently had a, a wood burner installed in his property. And he's saying how wonderful it is. The whole family, they don't watch the telly. They just sit around the fire in the evening and talk and read, you know, just what you're talking about, actually, Dean, old fashioned upbringing, old-fashioned family values, you know, and what you were saying about being brought up in the 70s and 80s, we're exactly the same generation, you and I, and I think I know what it is. Um, you're saying you went to a Catholic school. I think it's not just that, it's the fact that we were the last generation to really escape technology because in the late 80s and then into the 90s, there was this explosion of the computer games, mobile phones. That, I think, is what sets us apart from other from the generations to come after us and I I have been struck and I don't know if you have but here in the UK the amount of middle-aged people from our generation that have made up the freedom movement people that were just leading very quiet sedate normal middle-aged lives suddenly have become galvanized into activism and they're all people like us who grew up in the 70s and 80s there was something very special about that time I think yeah it was you could be right I was going to counter that by saying I was the kid who at eight years of age did a paper run saved up for, I think it was a TRS-80 computer. I had computers way before the Commodore 64 and all the rest of it. And I spent an inordinate amount of time on those computers. But unlike the kids of today, my own son included, where I, I balance, I would make some money using my computers. I would then go and buy a, you know, a, a BMX or a trail bike and I played football and I was out you know, with the kids all night, all day, you know, doing what kids did back at the time and mingling and exchanging ideas, I think might, might have been a big part rather than that insular thing that the kids do now. They stay in and the only ideas they get are from the video game. So it's it's quite horrific what's going on. And I think we as parents, we put, you know, the safety of our kids. Yeah, yeah, the video games keep them off the street and whatnot. But I mean, at what cost? At what cost? Uh, and the phones as well. That's how that's how they interact now. You and I, I mean, I will talk about the news in a minute, but we're heading into Christmas. So let's reminisce a little bit, shall we? But I think, you know, you and I were the generation that could just say to our mums, well, back for tea, mum, and go off for the rest of the day. And our mums didn't know where we were. And yep. they didn't couldn't track <laughs> us down with the phone. And we were off with our mates in the woods doing mischief and building dens and all of those things that build resilience and creativity. And of course, now, you know, you're just in your bedroom. I, you know, I haven't got kids, but I know plenty of people that have. The kids are in their bedroom interacting with their friends two miles down the road looking like that yep. through the phone, through a digital screen. That has done something, I think, to the the psyche of, of, of subsequent generations. We were lucky. We just snuck in under the radar before technology just went wild. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. I really am. Yeah, I'm going out, Mum, and she never asked where, but she knew you'd be back in time for dinner. Jim, what's breaking across the world today? Well, it's a horrible headline come out of the UK this morning. Um, it, I'll just touch on it very briefly because I know we're heading up to the break. But, you know, we're all looking forward to Christmas dinner, a bit of downtime, some nice food. Um, but there's a headline in the UK this morning that figures out have shown that nearly a million people were admitted to hospital in the UK this year with malnutrition. You know, we're a first world country. You would think that we we, we were wealthy, but no, uh, traditional old diseases like scurvy and rickets, which come from the Victorian era, are well on the rise here in England and Wales. And uh, the figures are actually quite shocking. The doctors say it causes them intense moral distress because they like to prescribe for everything, as we know, a pill for every ill or stick a needle in your arm. Uh, but they say for this one, we cannot prescribe food and we cannot 
prescribed money. They say the causes are rooted in poverty. We have talked about this on this show before and the parallels between the UK and Australia. And I hope this is not a parallel that you guys share. Um, it's children as well that are more badly affected. Um, you know, children coming in with bandy legs because of lack of vitamin D. You could argue that that is because they're not getting out enough and they're inside yeah. looking at a screen. And I wonder as well, um, iron deficiency is top of the list. And I wonder if that's because of the explosion in the um, the so-called vegan diet over the last few years, which is basically nothing more than processed crap. Uh, it's not proper vegan diet in terms of pulses and vegetables. It's just processed food bought from a supermarket, that type of vegan diet. Uh, they do make reference to that, but they say they can't pin it on one. Of, the thing they're pinning it on is poverty. Um, and, and in Britain, in this day and age, I mean, that's a real disgrace. And, I, you know, Christmas dinner's on the way and the thought of a million people not being able to have a decent meal as we head towards the festive season is really quite shocking. Yeah, it really is horrific. I, I'm happy to say I'm not hearing of that here in any such numbers or certainly percentages of the capita population, but uh, uh, who knows? Maybe it is the case and we're not, just not being told. Gemma Cooper, thank you for your time. And, of course, you'll be joining us again here at TNT next hour. Thank you. We'll be back after this. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. There's a dark cloud which is gathering over Ukraine. This has been an absolute disaster. In the last month alone, as I reported previously, Ukraine's lost 13,000 troops in October. So what does that mean? Well, you can guess that recruitment is probably down. So right now, the government in Kiev, the Zelensky government's doing forced conscription. Morale is at an all-time low. Uh, we've also seen conscientious objectors uh, who are taking to social media like Telegram, who reported uh, that they were just finished a six-month prison sentence uh, after refusing to go to the front line. Some of the forced conscripts rebelled, were imprisoned for six months, did a six-month sentence, and then the day before their release, they were put into a van and then sent to the front line. I kid you not. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT Radio. A year ago, I couldn't afford the rent anymore. I had no support and I was out of options. I had to sleep wherever I could. I thought, am I going to be out here on Christmas Day? Your urgent donation of £29.73 could help make this Christmas the first day of someone's life beyond homelessness. I'm so glad crisis was there. I could finally get warm. I had someone in my corner. We got something for you. This Christmas, I'm here, home, because my first day at crisis was my last day on the streets. This Christmas, thousands more people across the UK will be facing homelessness. We urgently need your donation. Search Crisis at Christmas or scan the QR code to give £29.73 now. The top of the hour, we'll keep on top of the news. It's the most important thing we can do on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And welcome back. You could say TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. I say thank God it's Omar Khan, global consultant to the stars, always across every topic and with a unique perspective that we've come to know and love. Omar, how are you going? Good. I lost power as they were switching me to you, but we were not going to be stymied we're back 
<laughs> and uh, in time, just in time. They can't stop us, mate. We'll pedal a generator under the table with our feet if we have to, to get the word out here on TNT. And again, mate, I always thank you. It's always a terrific part of my Friday afternoon when I get Likewise. to uh, to hear you. And I always leave the program far more knowledgeable than when I came here because I get to chat with you. What's happening in the world today? Well, you know, there's so much afoot, as you know. Um you have uh, the Trump Colorado case uh, almost destined to head to the Supreme Court. Um, the argument about whether he has violated their insurrection ban by giving a fiery speech for that pseudo insurrection um, <laughs> that including people who were sort of let in as we've seen video feeds. But anyway, it was probably an intemperate speech. Um, you know, uh, how intemperate, whether it crossed the line, um, that's, I think, now going to head to the Supreme Court because the federal judges don't want to touch it. The Supreme Court didn't want to traffic in it so early. Of course, other states are watching. All the anti-Trumpers are watching, salivating, because if this were upheld in Colorado, other states are likely to f uh, follow suit to try to ban him from the ballot. Um, so, um, it'll be utterly fascinating. Of course, he wants to appeal that. And, um, I think it's amazing that we are once more dealing with a situation where they don't want to contest an election. Um, they want to sort of micromanage who can appear, uh, on the ballot, whether, you know, it's people mailing in a flood of uh, votes all of a sudden that changes the complete uh, tenor of a uh, election uh, or something like this. Uh, the two federal indictments for criminal charges are also ablaze. So go figure, mate. I mean, this is certainly one big thing that's uh, happening in a in a in a rather radical way. I just wonder, with all of that, I mean, a couple of things. I don't think it's going to stand legally. It's a bit of a stretch. It's a bit of a time waste. Yeah. Uh, other people getting to do a bit of grandstanding, you know, saying, suggesting that if he's not going to run, I'm not going to run, which does wonders for them, I must say. And, and why wouldn't it, especially if they are sincere in that but the simple fact is it's very hard it would be very difficult to prove that a he was part of an insurrection one where the only people who were injured of course were those who were part of the alleged insurrection it was far from that as you said uh people being led through the building escorted like as if by um uh, some on some sort of tour yeah. and mate it just doesn't read and he made that explicit call to people not to get violent, not to escalate it. If anything, he disarmed what could have been uh, a possible situation. The other thing that is a key giveaway to whether it was an insurrection or something else is the ex expression on the people's faces, especially those who went inside the building. And typically most of them were, uh, they weren't running, they were walking, they were smiling from ear to ear. They were very casual. They didn't have weapons. There is nothing to suggest that was that. The fact that anybody in the media is still pushing the narrative that that was indeed an insurrection is not only a lie, it's an insult to the intelligence of anybody they're saying it to. Well, I mean, you see, the whole problem is they want to ban him, but he's never been charged with, let alone convicted of insurrection. Good point. So, I mean, good point. Right, so if I, if I just even leave aside all the excellent analysis you did, which I'm fully on board with, 
the fact that you know it it doesn't gel, but you never even charged the guy with it <laughs> until he was running and was the was leading in the polls, and, and so you didn't charge him. You did. You had all these years. So what were you waiting for? Waiting for a desperate moment? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, you know, I, I think that's uh, you know this is, and they call themselves democracies saviors um and you know i think that's just uh as i mean this is like those places you know in the old days under the soviet empire whenever it was something called the german democratic republic yep, you knew yep. they weren't democratic and know, they weren't yeah, a republic yeah. so this is where it's you know freedom saviors democracy rescuers <laughs> you know what are we going to have yes the reality series uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, no, it's, it's a joke Omar, it, it is so much like, you know, and I keep I keep saying it, you know, the old Superman bizarro world where he'd go into this alternate reality and everything was the exact opposite of, of, yeah. of reality. And that's exactly what they're doing. And I guess if you do that long enough, people will stop questioning their own judgment because they would consider on sub subconscious level, I must be wrong about everything, so why should I any longer trust my own judgment? And that's what happens if you listen to these people. Uh, thank goodness many of us uh, are immune to it. Some of us uh, have even taught our children from a very young age to be immune to it. But as for the rest of the uh, population or civilization, um, they're falling for it hook, line and sinker. Yeah, I mean, now, on another element, maybe not as immediate or topical because um, they want to push it out of the mainstream, I, I want you to realize that uh, there is a COVID surge in terms of infections in Southeast Asia. So Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, and wouldn't you know it, these countries are responding by asking people to get vaccinated, to get masked, <laughs> and to per I, I'm watching this and saying, come on, the ship has sailed. And that blessed man, Anders Tenniel, the epidemiologist from Sweden, was recently in front of the Whitewash Commission, as I call it, yeah. in the UK, I like the that. COVID inquiry, the Whitewash rather than um, anything else. <laughs> and he just reported the fact that now that we know the excess deaths, Sweden has about the lowest excess deaths of any country uh, in Europe, comparable, even, you know, they were saying the other Nordic countries were doing better. Well, not if you add 2019 in. Okay. When you add 2019 in, which is when they seem to have a bad flu season, yep. um, then it comes out, he's still near the bottom of the league tables in terms of excess deaths with no lockdowns, no enforced masking, now, he says it's not that we didn't do anything, but we trusted people. We left it to local government. We asked people to be prudent. We asked them to work from home when it made sense. But we didn't become the nanny state. And he said something fascinating. He said, our constitution does not allow us. And I said, what a quaint idea. I don't think any constitution allowed anybody. But yeah. what's a constitution? Yep. It's just been thrown overboard. Completely the Swedes ignored. were just manic enough these crazy people to actually uh, decide that, hey, you know what? I'm going to treat that as if it was worth the paper it was written on.
Yes, mate. If only uh, so many of us could be like some of those countries in Northern uh, Europe and other parts of the world. It would be terrific if African countries had uh, a better system of record keeping because those who had absolutely no response to COVID whatsoever, I would suggest that their numbers would probably be the best in the world subsequently. Well, they were because they deal with real illnesses. And, yeah. you know, they, yeah. I mean, so they're dealing with actual things and things like poverty and hunger and uh, all of those types of things and natural disasters and lack of hygiene, they weren't even going to be phased by this, you know, 99% recovery rate median influenza <laughs> uh, yeah. strain with delusions of grandeur. Um, now, I have something that's interesting for you. Um well, Omar, hold that. Go thought. ahead. Yeah, we'll, yep, we'll sure. go to the news headlines. We'll do that because it is about half past. And on the other side, we'll chat about that. Everybody, I am with Omar Khan. You're watching or listening to TNT Radio, the news headlines, and we'll be back. We have some wonderful news for you. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The White House has failed to name a single thing it's doing to combat the record surge in illegal immigrants. President Joe Biden has publicly declared Donald Trump an insurrectionist and despite repeatedly denying he had anything to do with his son's foreign business dealings, new records released by House Republicans this week show President Biden exchanged emails with one of his son's business associates, not once or twice, but a staggering 54 times. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. And welcome back to the program. I hope you're having a terrific day. And if your day is just beginning, Enjoy it. The weekend coming imminently. I know many of you probably uh, will be having next week and probably some subsequent weeks off. And uh, I'd just like to take this opportunity, and I'm sure I'm speaking on behalf of of Omar, uh, to wish you a, a very Merry Christmas. And uh, if you're on the online chat, let us know what you're up to. Or of course, you can send an email to me, dean at tntradio.live. We're going to get back to global consultant Omar Khan. Hey, mate. Hello, my friend. Okay, um, so... Yes, we, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go for it, mate. You were just about to launch into something, and and I am hanging on because I love the stories that you bring to the fore. Well, the uh, what's happened is that there's a letter from India, um, literally saying, "Stop WHO's pandemic preparedness tyranny." I love it. And so India, remember, refused Pfizer. They refused the Pfizer mRNA shots. They said unless um, they would do local safety trials. Yep. And Pfizer, of course, was not coming anywhere near real safety <laughs> trials. No way. So they, they ran for the proverbial hills. So the, um, the um, Indians have written, and uh, a group of prominent lawyers, doctors, and citizens have written to Indian Prime Minister Modi uh, and the Minister of Health urging them to reject the treaty. Um, and if you anybody wants to see it, they could. Uh, I could encourage your viewers and listeners 
to go to the Awaken India website. This is called Awaken India. Yeah. And it says WHO pandemic treaty ultra virus of the constitution, basically saying that it violates, again, there's that quaint term, constitution. Yeah. Can you imagine <laughs> even the Indians have found a constitution? I shouldn't say that. They're very constitutionally scrupulous compared to some of the avatars of the constitution. Oh, uh, that we all know it. There. Yeah. Uh, But basically it says that it violates the fundamental rights of the citizens of India. It cancels the fundamental right to bodily autonomy through mandating medical procedures, coercion, and frankly, grossly illegal acts. The letter adds, and I love this, this is a breathtaking and terrifying onslaught on fundamental civil liberties. Wow. It is a negation of bodily integrity of any human being, which means the loss of all human rights. Crazy. Right. Now, I, I, isn't I, I, that I wonderful? I mean, I, I, I mean, have, wonderfully terrifying. Yes. Okay. It is terrifying. Mate, I've got one side of the family, my mum's side of the family, and none of us got vaccinated. On my dad's side of the family, where they're from Scotland, uh, absolutely, you know, all of them got vaccinated, the boosters, the whole lot. I got a horrific text from my, my half-brother yesterday about my dad, uh, a bunch of cancers, you know, have just yeah. uh, virulently returned. One's eating, eating away his spine. One's attacked his vocal cords. He'll never talk again. They tr they can't get a drip down into his throat. I only just learned of this um, uh, yesterday. It's absolutely horrific. And, and again, mate, and I'll say it out, out publicly, I'm sure that's what did it. I'm absolutely positive. I have no doubt. Well, the number of the excess deaths that we're seeing, and I may have mentioned this last week, um, close to over 150,000 in the United States. And these are focused around 20 and 30-year-olds and, okay, up to the upper 30s. The healthiest batch, medically insured, and over 150,000, which is greater than the number of all deaths after the Vietnam War of all U.S. conflicts. In the U.K., over 70,000 excess deaths in this year compared wow. to the baseline pre-2021 before the savior vaccine came riding to the rescue of no one. Um, so how much, and then you have Anders Tanyel coming on board and telling us their experience. And you have to say, and then you, as you said, the developing world, which is not, you know, people say, oh yes, but you don't know what the real deaths were. And I said, what? You're suggesting there were millions of bodies buried somewhere that we haven't seen from, <laughs> from drones? You know, yeah. There's some <laughs> landfill somewhere. Maybe they're there with WMD, wherever those are buried, uh, in yeah. Iraq. Maybe yeah. all those extra bodies, you know, <laughs> from Africa, <laughs> they're, maybe they're all stockpiled together. And one <laughs> day we're just going along to, with, along with the list of Epstein's clients. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't get me started on that. Now, I, I'm, all I, again. Yes, go ahead. I've got to say something. The one thing that we were severely lacking, and I'm not saying it, you know, after the fact, I've got audio of me saying it in 2020 on commercial radio here in Australia. The one thing, the one group of people that we haven't uh, got involved in this equation are the most important group, and they were statisticians who could have told us how real a threat COVID was, how likely the, the, the upcoming vaccine, and it was upcoming at the time, was to be safe. Compare it, compare the numbers, do the numbers, and 
The reason I say that is when you talk about life insurance and people who have died, these life insurance companies have a very, very tight equation that is based on years of, of a certain amount of people dying. It's how they make money. And I guarantee they've lost an absolute fortune over the last couple of years. We're going to see those numbers yeah. rise well, those dramatically. Actuaries, those actuaries are the ones who are giving us these excess death numbers, wow. by the way. Yeah. Right? I mean, so to your point, when I say 150,000 plus in the US, 70,000 plus in the UK, those are coming from actuaries. Oh, so they're, they're feeling it. They're feeling it in their Yeah, pocket. yeah. Yeah, they need us. By, by the way, unless you think my mention of Epstein's list was pure <laughs> caprice and yeah. uh, voyeurism, um, there is a reason that it came to mind, and that is that uh, last Monday, a New York judge ruled that the Epstein client list must be released in full in January 2024. I heard. I bet it doesn't happen. I bet it, yeah, doesn't, I bet happen. it doesn't happen. Well, they, they put already put an exculpatory clause, a weasel clause in there, as lawyers call it, that anyone on the list has until 1st January to appeal, to have oh. their name removed. How, uh, how handy that is. How convenient. Even, even, the, even for that, uh, there'll be breadcrumbs. But we'll only get a list of disposable names, the old, the dead, the already discredited, oh, or yes. those that they want, those that they want to hang out to dry. Um, whereas all the others, of course, um, like Bill Gates and others, will well, we so we've been told, um, will be nowhere near the fire. If if you and I had a secret copy of that list, I would guarantee we could get to within 99% accuracy which of those names we will hear of and which ones we won't. I'd, I would almost guarantee that is the case. I think that's very true. Um, I want to do another shout out, just as I did for the letter of Awaken India, uh, for your listeners and viewers. And that is that the documentary um, for Who Tried Dying, or Who Died Trying, rather, um, the documentary about the assassinations of JFK, uh, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and RFK. The uh, prologue has just been released on all streaming channels. Okay. And um, for anyone who wants to see, again, that this has been a long battle. It is not a recent vintage. It has now become omnipresent and has now become more blatant and more shameless. But it's an extraordinary uh, documentary, and you can see it even on Amazon before they wake up and decide to remove it. Yeah. I urge everyone um, <laughs> to go and just take a look. I mean, I have nothing to do with it. I'm only advocating it yeah. because it, it gives you vignettes from those different lives, those different assassinations, what those four men were fighting about uh, and were perhaps going to change the course of history and could not be allowed, of course, yeah. uh, to carry on. So uh, I hope everybody watches it and gives that a lot of support because it's a gutsy bit of filmmaking. Oh, man, I, I love that you've brought it up. And I'm actually going to write that down because I don't want to miss it myself. So uh, absolutely. But it's it's all the things that uh, where there were pivotal, uh, pivotal 
sliding door moments. If you've ever seen the movie with uh, John Hanna, I think his name is, and Gwyneth Paltrow. And, uh, you know, it could be, you know, she gets on the lift or doesn't get on the lift and her life shoots off in two yes. different directions. All of those people created or could have created sliding door moments into what is today our reality. Hence why it is absolutely, as you said, so important to find out what those pivotal moments w could have been and where that could have led us as a society. Where did they not want us to go? This test for you, Dean. All of those four people, when they spoke, they riveted us because they said things we didn't expect. Yeah. Yes. And I would ask everybody to ask, when was the last time a leader on today's stage has ever said anything that caught you by surprise? Apart from it, Vladimir Putin, I, I can't think of any. Yeah, that exceeds the sum of their programming, right? Um, where somebody stepped out of course uh, and spoke with an, an independent voice. Um, I, I mean, you can almost, when today's leaders speak, you could almost write it for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, you almost know the bilge that's going to come pouring out. Uh, and, you know, so they're not an original idea. Uh, and they're all shills, unfortunately. And it seems they're bought and paid for. You only have to look at the price of speeches, the cost of speeches when they leave office. Yeah. And they had nothing to say before. They have nothing to say after. But now they're a famous ex-leader with nothing to say. And uh, for some reason, corporations will pay a gazillion dollars. Um, but, you know, if they want to hear from anybody on the front lines, oh, no, no. Mate, those, do that. those who stray from the, the global narrative or the global script shall be punished. But that's why we love you, Omar, because mate, you don't stick to their global narrative. You introduce us to a whole new world of reality. And that's why it's my immense pleasure to have you on the program here every Friday. Always a joy. Thank you, my friend. Omar Khan, I hope you have a fantastic break over Christmas and I wish you all the very best for the new year. But I think I'll be talking to you before the new year. Well, are we talking yes. next Friday? Well, I will talk I'll to you here. then. I'll be here if you will. We'll, so. pa we'll party the year away. All right. Merry and happy everything. Thank you, my friend. Omar Khan, everybody. We're going to be back right after the break with Paul McGowan here at TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Ignorance and arrogance is going to take down freedom in the Western democracies. I don't even know if you want to call a democracy anymore. I'm going to, again, give you some linkage over here because I like to see how things are all linked together. Now, in climate, a lot of people, because of the education system, not only in the United States, but over in Europe and in Australia, are ignorant about what is actually going on. They're also arrogant in their beliefs. In other words, they are so confident of what they know because of what they don't know that they're able to try to sway things in the way they do, and they accept whatever they're told. Now take this latest situation going on in the United States where a major presidential candidate is being banned, supposedly, from a state ballot because he was involved in an insurrection. First of all, no one charged him with insurrection. Secondly, it's just a bunch of people that have been calling it an insurrection. I mean, basically he had 200 maniacs that rioted while a couple of thousand people were protesting peacefully. But you see what I'm talking about? I've been listening to commentary on it today, and people are totally ignorant of the U.S. Constitution on the matter. 
For instance, you know it's Congress that has to enforce the law, right? Well, he's not even charged with it in the first place. Now you say, okay, you're bringing this in. Again, how does that have to do with climate? Ignorance and arrogance. Those are the two weapons. The only way to fight it, you have to stand for the truth. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. From weather and traffic reports to news of political developments, we turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world provide the news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. So many journalists are paying with their lives. They face exponential risks and they've already paid a heavy toll. Death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. We just want people to be safe, to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked at the street. These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Surtout que je m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome back to the program. For those of you just joining us, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Uh, we'll have a few days off, most of us, here at TNT Radio. I'll be returning next Thursday, and I uh, would hope to uh, expect your company. For those of you who are not watching and only listening, if you're not driving, get onto uh, YouTube or Rumble and check out the video live stream. My next guest is a, a regular on this program. I got to speak to him uh, not that long ago, and he's a terrific fella, uh, an ex-Eden artist. He's been linked with Banksy, Versace, Right Said Fred, and David Icke champions right-wing views. He delves into the digital meme wars and cancel culture, one of the most banned and shadow banned and cancelled people on social media, a champion of truth. I am, of course, talking about Paul McGowan. G'day, Paul, how are you going? All right, that was a, a very good intro there. Thank you very much for that. Mate, mate, I love it. I, I, I was proud to read it. I'm just really proud when I get you on the program. I love people who, uh, you know, turn their filter off because the truth is more important than anything they could possibly do or say or call us, and you get that better than most. Yeah, that's, that's, that's perfectly true. Because um, if you live in a, a, a state where you can't say anything, well, what, what are you really living in? I, take this, for example, right? I think his name pronounced Ray Ushaka, is it? The, the, the man who stabbed those Irish kids? Well, yes, he yep. appeared in court. That was literally silence all over the media. There was a little tiny column in some newspapers and on websites. Now, this, this, that's the type of thing that should be on the front pages. It was such a epic, a horrendous 
crime. It should be on the front of all the newspapers. Um, and also yesterday, another thing happened. A, a four-year-old um, Irish boy was stabbed in Hackney. Stabbed, four years old. And they're right. looking for a 41-year-old woman. And but they ain't, well, they won't tell us who she is. Well, they found her now, I believe. Won't tell us who she is, what her identity is, or anything. So we're living in this um, restricted information world. And if you restrict information that should be public, the public will start standing up. You know, Wait, when you just mentioned that, it reminded me exactly of the uh, the guy, Brenton Tarrant was his name, who went from in the mosque with the gun in New Zealand. And after the event happened, uh, anybody that had a copy of the video was uh, considered a criminal. Uh, they did do a couple of arrests. The whole thing was hushed as if it never happened. And as soon as you mentioned that, it reminded me immediately of that. Those things which are likely to stir up a response in the community are those that they silence at every turn. I was just talking to a global consultant, Omar Khan, about a movie that's coming out about people whose views could have changed the world and how crucial it was to have them silenced. And, and I just can't help but think this is one of those pivotal moments in Irish history. It's not just Irish history, it's happening everywhere. I mean, yesterday, um, a school had to be closed and uh, the headmistress is probably going to have to get, I think it's a headmistress, it's probably going to have to be on, um, take a new identity and move away just simply because she wouldn't let the children take Palestinian flags into school, into a British wow. school, you know. And so there was all, automatically there was masses of protests and, um, and the Islamic army was on the streets chanting, um, but... At the end of the day, this is Britain. And I hate the way that we've been forced to get involved into this issue um, because this is relatively new to our culture. So we're not, when you're going on another part of the world, I mean, we have to, because we've got so many people from all different parts of the world now, we are automatically dragged into it. But they will never consider themselves British and fly the British flag, but they will re retain their old flags, their old identity and their own culture within our country. And there's a culture clash because um, it's everything I was taught to be from the West when I was younger, what I grew up in, everything's been flipped on its head. I mean, look at, um, for instance, look at the Christmas markets. Christmas markets are massively popular in the UK. Um, and all the Labour councils have shut down their Christmas markets. I mean, the list is huge for them. But the, the reasons they give are things like, like, there's too many people, they're too popular, we can't guarantee people's <laughs> safety. But we know what the real reason is. Um, that's why half the Christmas markets have been renamed winter markets, because yep. they're scared of some terrorist attack. And when do we start curtailing to terrorists? When do we get down on our knees to terrorists? You know, I'm not going to do it. And I, I don't think anyone else should. And I think um, this has to change because we've got two-tier policing. We've got, um, it's almost like we've got multiple different cultures in one tiny, tiny country. England's tiny Wales is tiny, Scotland's tiny, Ireland's tiny compared to the rest of the world. And we've got so much going on here. You know, it's just, um, and, and you get statements like this like, from um, Pauline O'Reilly. Um, this is like, it starts with um, uh, the Minister for Justice, Helen Kentry, I think her name is. And um, we are restricting people's freedom. And um, Pauline O'Reilly's response to that was, we're doing it for the common good. Well, who's common good? Yeah, well, that's the question, mate. What they're trying to do is take the Christ out of Christmas. And again, and we said it last time we spoke, they've really, really picked the wrong country. There is no country in Europe 
that I know people from on mass where all of their relatives who still live there still go to church, still believe in God. You know, there are so few atheists in Ireland. And again, if you try and take the Christ out of their Christmas, this is one group who are not going to cop it. It is going to fire up. We saw what, what happened uh, recently, some people suggesting comically that a cat with a, a fire coming out of its ass may have run into a certain hostel or place where uh, immigrants were going to be housed. Who We don't know how that happened. Uh, uh, Lighter, $1.29. Came up, boom, boom. Um, and the simple fact is, moving forward, that's going to keep happening. It's just going to keep happening. And the Irish people, wow, it's one group who absolutely is not going to cop this. Yeah, because they, they are very religious people. And uh, But even thinking back, you know, we are all Christians. We've, we've been brought up around um, this concept of Christianity. And we've all, our entire society is based on that. Um, so when you have these culture clashes coming out, like, they are things that I find abhorrent, some of them, absolutely abhorrent, you know. But, um, yeah, I, I just don't know what we're going to do about it unless we start doing repatriation programs because everyone that seems to come here never seems to go back. And the reality is we've got, we've got housing crises, we've got NHS crises, we've got all these, our, our infrastructure is totally it's creaking it's just about to collapse it feels like you go out and you, nobody's really positive about the state of the country because we don't really know what's going on because the politicians don't listen to us at all they don't if they had a referendum on migration they know what they'd get as oh, one thousand percent yeah it would be crash. but they are taking orders from above they're taking an order from above, the WF, and that's who they are taking them from because it doesn't make sense. Like, all right, take the Conservative Party, who I hate. The only people I hate more than the Conservative Party are the Labour Party. You know, <laughs> I can't stand them. But the Conservatives are importing people to vote. Only up below 20% of those people vote for them. Yeah. Below 20%. So the Conservatives, who are total retards, basically just, they're going, come on in, come on in. I know you're not going to vote for us. Oh, we're taking a few million of you for Labour. It's like, it's, I just can't believe how dumb the Conservatives are. And if, if Rishi Sunak did actually get those boats, put people on another boat driving straight back to France tomorrow, um, he, that, the Conservatives would win the election. Win the election, but Wait. I'm sort of wanting to see the Conservatives implode because I'm just going all out for Reform UK, you know. See, I mean, the people I blame. See, I'm not going to blame the duopoly. It's one group pretending to be two. It's a pandemonium. The people haven't figured it out yet. How they haven't, I don't know. They must. I mean. Our IQ in Australia, I used to use it as an insult. I used to say, mate, you're a double-digit IQer. That's our average IQ is 99.4. Now, I can't even use it as an insult. It's our average IQ. And until we wake up to this duopoly and, oh, I'm going to vote for them because they don't believe in climate change. They don't believe that, you know, a, a man can be a woman. These are all construct constructs that have been uh, designed like a magician. Watch this hand while this hand does the trick. And we haven't woken up to that. And if we haven't woken up to it by now, when the hell are we going to wake up to it? Because I'm absolutely fed up with the amount of imbeciles who, who are part of our population who get to vote. And it should be, I wish voting was bloody well IQ tested. Wouldn't that be terrific? Well, yeah, it would be funny. <laughs> it would be funny, but hardly anyone would be allowed to vote. That's um, fine. I'm happy with that. The school systems collapse. I mean, in my old school, Hartsdown, 
they asked me to go back and do a little talk to for, um, for all the children, say what you can do in life and all that. Um, and when I got there, I asked because uh, you can't recognise the school. It's just it's just graffitied everywhere. It's a dump. And I said, how how many um, people from different nations got here? They said in the playground, there's 21 languages spoken. Wow! In one playground, 21 different languages. Well, mate, it's- how do you do that? How how do you cope with that? Do you know you, you you there's jobs being advertised, but only for people that can speak Urdu. You can just go on the internet. So in Birmingham, you know, this is ridiculous. And half the time you can't. I don't even know what, what's in the shops because you can't hey, read the answers on the front of the shop. <laughs> hey, Paul, you, the the problem with getting you on my program is I enjoy talking to you way too much. You fire me up and you make me, you know, come out of that hole where you cross the line between professional and being overly truthful and you bring that out in people, mate. That's why I think you're terrific. That is why they try and ban you everywhere on social media. And that's why Paul McGowan, uh, you are welcome on this program as often as you'd like to come. Everybody, Paul McGowan, uh, an absolute champion. Mate, thanks for coming on the program. Thank you. We'll be back after this at TNT.